are listening to audio from Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources like this one, go to EmmanuelBirmingham.com. singing songs, which is awesome. Uh, this is our first week, if you didn't know, of children's choir. So if you have kids three and up, even though you missed this week, you can come next week. Um, they're leading us in worship on July the 31st. I'm really pumped about that. And it was also our first day of our quick class upstairs. We had to move to the youth room because there were about 20, 20-ish, 25-ish, that's that word, whatever, of y'all up there. And uh, it was great. It's hot. I think the air started working like as we left, but it was hot. Um, but if you missed that this week, come on back next week. I'd love to have you. Just how to study the word. I hope it was beneficial for those that did come. So really thankful. Glad to see many of you back after last weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Many of you are traveling. It's good to see you back this week. Um, if you were to uh, if you were to read uh, Genesis chapter one, very beginning of the Bible. One of the common refrains you would see over and over again in Genesis chapter 1 is, And God made, you know, fill in the blank, light, sun, moon, stars. And that which he made was good. And God made whatever, and that which he made was good. It was good. It's good. Over and over and over again, Genesis chapter 1, you're going to see that common refrain. But there's one time in the creation narrative where God said that something was not good. And this is before sin came into the world. It's before all things were tarnished because of the sin of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2, verse 18, the text says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Then the Lord goes on to make Eve, a wife, a companion for Adam. But that statement... That it's not good for a person to be alone remains just as true today as it did thousands of years ago in the Garden of Eden. Human beings are hardwired for relationships. We are made for community with desires to belong. 
Christian and non-Christian alike, we are made in the image of God, and we have a hardwired nature to belong to other people. And that's why solitary confinement is such a, an effective tool to break someone down, right? Because men and women are not created to be alone. They're created for one another. And the reason we as human beings are hardwired for relationships is because the God who made us exists in Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Eternally existing in community and relationship, intrinsic to our God's identity. The God who made us has never been alone. He's always had companionship in himself. So when God chose to make human beings as his image bearers, he put in our hearts the same desires he has in his. Desire for belonging, for community, to truly know and be known by other people. We even see from Jesus himself, as he was on the earth, the need and desire to be in community. He handpicks 12 apostles. From these 12 apostles, he identifies an even smaller group, Peter, James, and John, to be nearest to him during his ministry on earth. Jesus himself models for us that it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Surrounded, needs to be surrounded by communities, hardwired for relationships. So Jesus dies, he resurrects, he ascends to the Father, sends the Holy Spirit to indwell his people, and creates a new community. A community made up of broken people, being restored by the power of God through the gospel. And the New Testament is explicit and clear when it comes to the need for gospel community. You will not flourish in the Christian life apart from intimacy with other Christians. You will not flourish in the Christian life apart from intimacy with other Christians. Every word in that statement is purposeful. You will not flourish. Not saying you cannot be a Christian without community. But you will not flourish, you will not experience the fullness of what Christian life is without intimate relationships with other believers. Another key word, intimacy. You will not flourish in the Christian life apart from intimacy with other Christians. Intimacy is a scary word in a lot of ways, for this word implies openness, honesty, vulnerability, the risk of being hurt and betrayed by those closest to you. You know, intimacy comes with great costs. You're inviting people into your mess where there is potential for great good, but there's also potential for great cost. These types of relationships aren't rooted in football, and beer, and dating shows. They're rooted in going beneath the surface to truly expose the dark parts of our souls that we don't want anybody else to see. These are relationships with those that have seen the ugly parts of you. And they still love you enough to help you through the Spirit root out those ugly things, bring them into the light. You will not flourish in the Christian life apart from intimacy with other Christians. Christians, final key word. Yeah, it's possible and good to have relationships and friendships with others who do not know Christ. That is possible. But there, those relationships can only go so far. There's a ceiling in those relationships. There's a ceiling to shared joy, 
There's a ceiling to shared pain. Because the fundamental identity marker for us as believers in relationships with unbelievers is different. I cannot tell you how often I see believers begin to drift from the faith when their primary avenue of relationships are now with those who don't know Christ. Your intentions may be very well. I need non-Christian friends. I want to minister to my non-Christian friends. Those are great intentions. But if you're not pressing into Christ alongside other Christ followers in intimate or intentional, regular ways, you will begin to look more like your non-Christian friends than those who claim Christ. To further make the point of the centrality of gospel community in the life of Christians, look at our text for this morning. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And how many of those things listed in verses 12 through 17 can you do by yourself? You don't know your heart's compassionate until you're in a relationship in a situation where it's required of you from another person. You don't know you're kind until you demonstrate that with somebody else. You can't exercise humility without lowering yourself to serve another. Gentleness and patience are tested when those around you push your buttons and drive you crazy, right? On and on we could go. Forgiveness, love, peace, encouraging one another. If you seek to live the Christian life apart from intimacy with others, you might as well cut out half of the New Testament because the methods of new behavior cannot be practiced. We're going to break this sermon up into two parts this morning. First, we're going to give, I'm going to give you the ideal picture of gospel community. And then second, the practice of gospel community. So the ideal picture of gospel community, and then the practice of gospel community, specifically here at Emmanuel Church. So let's look at our text for this morning, see the ideal picture of how gospel community should live with regards to one another. All right? So this is the ideal picture of gospel community. This is what it should be like, not really always what it's like, okay? Because we're still sinful people, right? Which if we weren't sinful people, some of these things in verses 12 and 13 wouldn't even need to be practiced, right? We don't need to forgive each other if we're all perfect. We're not perfect, right? So, let's read verses 12 and 13 again. First thing we're going to see here is that gospel communities are clothed with selflessness. Gospel communities are clothed with selflessness. Verses 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So Paul, in Colossians chapter 3, has just talked about taking off the old garments of the old self before Christ. And here, he's defining what it looks like to put on the new self with all of its characteristics, all of its qualities. It's like shedding an old garment, what you once were, putting on a new garment, clothing yourself in something else. And all these qualities have two things in common. One, they involve other people. We've already established that. And two, they all involve selflessness. Of thinking of others as greater than yourself. Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other. And these are actions that require great charity. 
and long-suffering on behalf of the one in the wrong. You know, oftentimes the solution in our modern-day church culture, especially in a city like Birmingham with a thousand great churches, you know, oftentimes when we feel annoyed or something happens that requires us to forgive another person close to us in the body of Christ, our solution is just to change churches, right? It's to go to another church. It's enough to work out and forgive what's going on. It's to peace. It's start over somewhere else. But in reality, <coughs> give it a couple of weeks, somebody's going to wrong you there too, all right? So the solution is not to church hop. I mean, we understand that those people are, they're just annoying people at this church. I'm going to go to another church not full of annoying people. Join that church. Well, good luck. I haven't found one. Um, maybe you have. Tell me. Uh, I need a pastor of that church. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, no. There are broken, flawed people in every church you go to. So the solution is not to peace and leave them in the dust. It's to forgive and bear with one another. Oftentimes, our reasons for landing in new church families is good. You know, if there's a pastor that's not preaching the gospel, if there's some sort of gospel issue that's driving you out of that church, those are good reasons. But oftentimes, our reasons for landing in new church families has little to do with the gospel and more to do with our own preferences not being met. You know, we tend to be very selfish rather than selfless when it comes to our relationships within the body of Christ. Which leads to the second quality of an ideal picture of gospel community. Gospel communities are bound to one another in love. They're bound to one another. Verses 14 and 15. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. I love this imagery of being bound, you're fastened, you're glued to one another, so to speak. In love, which is a great thing to be bound to one another in. It's the picture of what true gospel community looks like. You know, if you seek to flourish in your relationship with Christ, it should be painful to ever leave your community of faith in the body of Christ. I mean, if we truly are the body of Christ, right, using that metaphor, we're called in one body, we truly are the body of Christ, then moving from one expression of that body, that local body, to another should almost feel like you're losing a limb. They'll be replaced by God's grace with another limb, but it should be painful because you were so bound, <coughs> so connected in love to that community of faith. If there ever came a point where the Lord called you away from Emmanuel Church, it should be a very difficult decision for you to make. It shouldn't be easy. If it's easy, maybe you weren't so bound to those believers as you might have thought you were. But we're bound together in love and bound together in peace. You know, the text actually says peace is to rule in our hearts, to which indeed we are called in one body. Again, love and peace are primarily achieved when selflessness is being pursued, right? Humility and sacrifice are at the heart of love and peace. The ability to put others' needs above your own. Not that your needs aren't important, but if you're truly seeking gospel community and living within gospel community, the others you're seeking to put above yourself are also seeking to put you above them. 
It's this mutual edification through laying down of our own rights for the good of one another. It's a beautiful thing. To lift the other up truly marks gospel community. And this type of love binds us to one another, fastens us to one another. Ideal gospel communities are clothed in selflessness, being bound together in love. And then third, they're saturated in thanksgiving. Saturated in thanksgiving. Verses 15 to 17, look at that again. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three times in those two verses, thanksgiving is mentioned, thankfulness. The natural question arises, based on this context, well, what should we be thankful for? It's not that explicit. Paul just says, thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thankful. He doesn't necessarily say what you should be thankful for. Well, I think there's two things. One, we're thankful for the gospel, right? That's the basis of all of this gospel community is the gospel. That Christ came, lived a sinless life, died. It's a substitute for our sin and our place. Rose again, ascended to the Father. Mediates for us now, prays for us now, the right hand of God the Father. It's coming again. That should cause great thanksgiving in us, right? That we, as dead in our sin, were plucked up from the pit and given new life in Christ. So we should be thankful for that. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're not singing thanksgiving for us. Thanking God for the gospel, right? That's what we sing. We're thanking God for the work of Christ. Every week we do that. But then second, second, we're to be thankful for one another. We're to be thankful for one another. I mean, we, Emmanuel Church, we should make it a common practice to tell one another how thankful we are of one another. We love the gospel. We preach the gospel. We cling to the gospel. Thank God for the gospel. We very seldom tell one another that we are thankful for each other. I mean, when is the last time you truly approached someone? Just out of nowhere, just told them you're thankful for them. Just thankful for you. I'm thankful that God has put you in my life. I'm grateful for your friendship. This is almost impossible to do in the body of Christ apart from genuine relationships in gospel community, right? nobody's in your life, who are you going to be thankful for? How can you thank someone for the Lord using them if you're not near enough to them to see the effects of their relationship to you? We should be a thankful people, church. Thanksgiving should mark us. Not only for the gospel, but also we should be thankful for one another. So what does this look like? What does this look like at Emmanuel Church? What does gospel community expression look like in our local church. Well, if you're new to Emmanuel Church, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Austin Baker, new pastor. I've been here now for, what, four months? It's kind of weird. Four months. It's been awesome. Love to meet you. If you are new, come find me. Let's grab coffee later. I drink a lot of coffee. A lot of great places in Birmingham drink coffee and drink beer. 
There are more breweries per capita in this city than any city I've ever been in in my life. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but if it's during the day, we're going to drink coffee, right? So um, so I'd love to do that. Or even if you're old to Emanuel Church, you've been here for a while, and you need a refresher. But one of the central outlets of how we practice our faith on a regular basis here is through, for lack of a better title, Gospel Communities, all right? Gospel Communities. GCs, for short, GCs, they are geographically-based small groups, meet during the week, throughout the city, to truly seek to live life together. And GCs are the arm of Emmanuel Church that truly seeks to be in community with other believers doing ministry in various neighborhoods and communities throughout Birmingham. You know, it's interesting uh, that our church, we meet together regularly at this space, obviously, every Sunday, Crestwood, and yet the members of Emmanuel Church demonstrate that we have about three families that actually live in Crestwood, which is interesting. The rest of you drive in from other, other areas in the city. Hoover, Southside, Roebuck, Avondale, Bluff Park, Crestline, Trustville, I mean other places. And every Sunday we come to worship together here at 1030, praise the Lord. This expression this morning, what's happening right now in our worship gathering, it's called the, the church gathering, all right? So we are the church gathered, one body gathered together to sing praise to our God. It happens every week for the church gathered. But it seems foolish, based on real life, where we're at in our church right now, to base the lived life of the church at 6400 Crestwood Boulevard. To have you all drive back for every single thing we do at the church to this space where most of you don't even live. All right? That seems kind of foolish. And so, as you become the church scattered, which is what you're going to do at noon, if we get out in time, 11.45, um, is you're going to scatter throughout the city and live your lives the next six days of the week where you live, work, and play in your neighborhoods, in your communities. We'll come back together next week, 10.30, right here. So our philosophy behind GCs is that we want to empower you and equip you to be the Emmanuel local church expression where you live, work, and play. Every member here is a minister of the gospel, not just the paid staff. Every member here is a minister. And those who don't know Christ are 100 times more likely to come into your living room than drive to Crestwood to come into this space. So GCs, are truly the backbone of what we do here at this church. So needless to say, if you're not connected to a GC at Emmanuel Church, you are truly going to miss out on all that God wants to do in you and through you at Emmanuel Church. If you're already connected to a GC, it might be good every so often to ask the question of yourself, are we connected to the right one given where we live? Right? I mean, if, if the local church scattered, if we want to do ministry in our neighborhoods, are you connected to the right GC? Now, we're not going to ask you to leave a GC if you moved away and you're driving to your GC. We're not going to ask you to do that if you have true gospel relationships and community there. But GCs are meant to be local. 
They're meant to be neighborhood-based, geographical-based. So is there an expression of Emmanuel Church in your current neighborhood? And if not, is it time there is one? Just questions to ask yourself. But to better help you understand just the impact of GCs in the lives of, in the lives of our church, I want to ask uh, Art, I want to ask Hannah, yeah, thank you, Sarah, you'll come up on the stage. We're going to do a panel, all right, panel. So I'm going to move this. Oh, that's good. It's still alive. It's good. If not, you need to tie more so I can buy another one. Um, stools. Let me grab one back here. It's fine. I mean, he is still alive. No, 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 it's not. It's your iPad. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. If we're a really cool church, then yeah, the stools are necessary. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Where's the fourth stool? Behind our. Oh, there it's Okay, perfect. Life on life, um, community, and love 
for others. And I felt like I was going through a breakup, like it was devastating. And so when I moved here, the Lord just continued to remind me that he does not call us to live in isolation, but it's never guaranteed to look the same. And community here for me looks very different than it looked from where I moved from. Um, but I'm just so grateful. And I prayed for the Lord to provide community um, quickly and swiftly, no matter what it looked like. Um, and so I just, I was like, well, I'm here in Manuel. I'm here at this group, and I'm staying. So, so we got involved in uh, gospel communities when when Arden got big enough to have gospel communities, uh, when it became more than just a handful of people meeting in the library at Glen Iris Elementary School. Um, and our reason for getting involved in gospel communities, if I can be frank, it's not optional. Like, it is not optional. And uh, in particular, if you think about the geographic thing, it's like if, if we're going to be committed to the body of Christ, like Austin was saying this morning, we have to live in community together. Uh, I teach economics at Sanford, and uh, one of my perennial frustrations is students who think that like if they just show up to class, they'll like learn everything, and then I'm terrible because they didn't do any of the outside work. <laughs> just showing up on Sundays, it's like, it's like just showing up to class and not doing homework. I think that's, uh, that's kind of what we said. Yeah, and just to give you guys some context, if you are new to Emmanuel, um, we're joining the last six years. So Emmanuel used to exist as two churches, Arden Church and Renovate Church, that merged in 2016 to form Emmanuel Church. So when Art refers to Arden, he's referring to the pre-official pre constitution of Emmanuel Church. You hear Renovate come up, that's also on the other side of that. And now we're one body, so there you go. Um... And let me give you some context to my next question as well. So we have GCs, right? And then within those GCs, we have what are called DNA groups, all right? And DNAs are three to four, five people, same gender, males and males, females and females, that meet together for the sake of confessing sin, accountability, going deeper into relational avenues, so to speak. So giving you that context for my next question, um, how has your community, and not everybody has to answer these questions, by the way. How has your community, so GCs or D-Nakers, contributed to your growth as a believer? Can you share any specific stories on how that came for you? So I think that just as individuals, we learn by repetition and we come to believe things by hearing it over and over again. And so when I think of how GCs have contributed to my growth as a believer, it's by experiencing and praying and then seeing the result of those prayers um, amongst everyone in the community. So if you know we're going through a season, maybe it's a wider season, but someone else in the GC um, is carrying a burden, being able to come alongside and then time and time again, hearing and seeing the faithfulness of the Lord and the way that he provides for us and for all the other families in the GC. Um, I think that just experiencing and seeing those testimonies over and over again is what really makes um, my faith grow as a believer. And then experiencing um, just the closeness of Christ within uh, our DNA and just spending quiet time together in the morning um, in prayer, I think, is when I feel um, the presence of the Lord the most, um, just in sharing what's on our hearts, what we're struggling with, and then immediately turning to Christ um, in prayer, not 
writing them down and then getting to it later in the week, but stopping exactly what we're doing um, as it's coming up and turning to Christ in that moment. I think for me, when I think about this question, um, for those of you who don't know, I am a foster parent um, and I am single. And so that comes with lots of layers of challenges and struggles. And so when you ask that question, that's the first thing I think of. And my answer cannot do any justice to the way that my GC has loved me and supported me and encouraged me, not just to say, hey, that's great, praying for you, um, but really like stepping into our lives and my wife and the children who've been through my home um, and supporting us in very tangible ways, dropping off formula, bringing meals. Um, but one layer that I continue to be humbled by, um, as I was thinking about this question earlier, is the way that they have allowed me to bring this piece into their children's lives. Um, my little family brings a lot of questions, like, hey, she's, she's single, where'd that kid come from? Like, oh, hey, that kid doesn't match her. And that's exposing all of their children to things that maybe they hadn't anticipated and brings a lot of questions. And so I, that's such a layered question, would love to talk about it more later, um, if anybody wants to hear more, but, um, I just continue to see that in the way that they love, serve, support, and encourage us and really are on this journey with me and um, in the highs and the lows and the joys and the grief that comes with it. Uh, three specific examples. One from 2006, actually, when I, I just defended my dissertation and just finished graduate school. And I was meeting on Saturday mornings with a couple of guys from church to kind of talk about stuff. The, it was at the home of, of one of the elders who was in his 50s, Chinese guy, engineer for America, engineer, not, excuse me, engineer for Boeing. And uh, I was like holding forth about something, and something dumb. And he said, look, you are immature and you don't listen. So one point, of it, one of the most important things about community is having people in your life who care about you enough to call you out on the bullcrap. That was a really, really, really good example. Um, Back to ardent, ardent, eventually Emmanuel, one of Stephen Castello's big questions anytime something was going wrong is, okay, so how are you not believing the gospel? I don't think about not believing the gospel. I don't think about how, like, other people's wrong. Okay. No, no. And then a third thing more recently, uh, as we started the Avondale, the Avondale DC and got involved in DNA with the men there, I've really, really, really appreciated the way that Josh Hill and Andrew Mollenkopf have, have gotten involved in our kids' lives, like the way they take them seriously. Um, so Brandon, Morgado, and I, our kids are about the same age, and like we're Jacob and Jonah's dad. So there's a lot of stuff we're gonna say that's just not gonna be heard. Josh and Andrew, who are a little bit younger than we are and at a different stage in life, they can say the same stuff, and then Jacob and Jonah will actually listen. So the fact that, the fact that they're there for us that way is, um, is really important. That's great. That's great. I love that your kids are involved in your DNA, which I think is really, really sweet. Um, any, any encouragement you can give anyone um, at Emmanuel struggling to find community? You know, communities, communities have, it's, it's hard. Community has great value, but oftentimes you have to put a lot of work into it to get it to the point where it gives 
starts to reap its rewards, right? That's what relationships are, right? It's a double pouring into this one relationship. It takes work, it takes time, it takes intentionality. It's not going to happen overnight. It may, by God's grace, it may, but it's going to take time. And I think a lot of times, if it doesn't come immediately, we kind of bail, we give up. Um, I know I tend to do that sometimes in relationships, um, but is there... I mean, that may be all story, I don't know. Is there any encouragement you can give anybody that's struggling to find community or interested in finding community in Mingle? I think most practically, fill out your little guest thing at the bottom of the table. <laughs> um, but also, I think being honest and vulnerable about what you need. Um, so as... I transitioned from undergrad and moved back to Birmingham. Um, I, I grew up in the same church my whole life, found community pretty easily when I went to college, but then coming back for grad school, my home church wasn't quite the right fit for where I was. Um, and then trying to find the community that I had spent 20 years with. Um, it doesn't happen instantly, but I wanted it to. Um, and so being honest with yourself and open and vulnerable with others, you know, do you need um, a whole group together to meet consistently? Do you need one or two close friends, kind of more in that DNA setting, um, to consistently meet and really get to know on a deeper level? Um, but more practically, at the end of service, turn around and ask somebody if they're going somewhere for lunch. Um, or what their plans are this week, because I think that it really is, you know, the make or break point um, when you're part of a church is to really live in community and build close relationships with the people um, in front and behind you. I, it is hard for me to say yes sometimes. I want to just stay home by myself sometimes. Um, and so it takes like you said, it takes time and intentionality um, to get to know people. And so two things I would say is, one, these are both encouragement for myself, um, be the community you want to be. Like, I can't sit at home and be like, nobody invited me to do anything. Did I invite anybody to do anything? Um, and then the second piece of that is saying yes when sometimes you don't want to. Like, because if you say no enough times, people are going to stop inviting you to things because they think you don't want to be invited. But we all want to be invited. And um, so I think saying yes when sometimes it feels hard, you're tired, or your kid needs to go to bed, or whatever. But you gotta say yes. Yeah, so this is a really tough question in light of the kind of pandemic carnage that we're still cleaning up. Um, one would be get in touch with people. Again, I mentioned my phone number 901 335 4221. You connect with me or anybody on social media or whatever, the people around you, find out where they work, etc. If you're going to find yourself in, say, around Avondale or whatever, and you want to meet up for a taco or something, I'd, I'd be happy to do it, or uh, a lot of folks I know work on Lakeshore near Sanford, find out where people are, where they hang out, stuff like that. Uh, for RGC, our, our focal point is Avondale Park. Um, we run into hills there pretty regularly. I'm there walking the dog every morning, and we'll probably be there at some point this afternoon. So... Again, just find out where find out where people go and what they do. And it doesn't have to be like a meeting or anything like that. It can just be, you know, all right, I'm gonna go walk my dog with you while you walk your dog. That's good. Yeah, it's it's finding the normal rhythms of your life and then 
joining other people in those normal rhythms of your life. I mean, it's not like Art just said. Every time you meet with somebody as, a, as another believer that you're in community with, it doesn't have to be, all right, let's pour over Colossians 3, 12 through 17 for the next 45 minutes. It can be something as simple as going for a walk, walking your dog, having a cup of coffee, coming over. I think one of the, one of the greatest avenues of discipleship is just inviting people to come alongside you as you live your life. That's it. Come help me. Come in the morning. Come over in the morning. Let's have some coffee together. You can see, see me get my kids up and hang out with my wife. I mean, that's a community. That is gospel community. And you don't have to clean up the house before they come over. All right? Just let them come into your junk, man. Um, easier said than done. Uh, but let them do it. But if you're not connected to a gospel community, I strongly encourage you to do that. In the back, as you leave, there's a list of active gospel communities right now. If you don't have one, um, we would love for you to join up with other believers. Um, so thank you, guys. Any any final things you want to say? Anything at all? Like, no, no. Hey, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, can we thank them for coming up? And giving us layer over here. Um, well, just a couple of final things here as we wrap up. As I said at the beginning, I'll say it again. You will not flourish in the Christian life apart from intimacy with other Christians. It won't happen. You need community, not just in the good times, but you need community when things are hard, when things are bad, when you messed up, when you're in the pit, when you're in the valley. You know, one of the things that brought me a lot of joy at Johnson Ferry when I was at my previous church, uh, up until 2020 when I couldn't do it anymore, um, was sitting with people in hospitals. Um, it means a lot for somebody when a pastor comes and sits with you and prays with you and Sometimes serious medical things, sometimes routine surgeries, whatever the case may be. You know, sometimes you walk into that room not knowing really what to expect. And I've been the last person somebody talks to before they see the Lord, right? And that's a, it's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. But what made that, those visits even more impactful for me is walking into those rooms after already hadn't passed people in the waiting room or people in the room itself that this person's community their spiritual family sitting with them in the last moments of their life reminding them of the gospel reminding them of the gospel you don't get that overnight you don't get that from attending a GC once and then peacing when it doesn't go your way that is the result of pressing in Pressing in, pressing into one another as you press into Christ and cultivating that intimacy, opening up your heart enough to let somebody in to see the great things, but to see the mess. So this is who I am. And then you move together towards Christ's likeness. Right? So you will not flourish again in the Christian life apart from intimacy with other Christians. Let's pray together. Let's pray together as we wrap up. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for the kindness they have demonstrated to my family. 
over the last four months of me being here, the hospitality that marks this people is, is without limit. And I thank you for that. If this is not a stingy congregation. This is a generous people that are generous not just with resources, but generous with themselves. And I'm grateful for that. I thank you, Father, for the gospel. I thank you, Father, that that is the foundation, the bedrock of who we are in Christ, but also who we can be with one another. That even in the midst of our lowest of low points, we believe that you are making us new every day through our highs and our lows. And I pray, Father, I pray for the men and women here as we truly seek to live our lives together, that we'll be courageous enough to link arms with other believers at the risk of great cost to ourselves, understanding that the gospel binds us together in love, binds us together, fastens us together, that where one person, if one person were to sink, we would all sink with them. But we will do everything we can to hold that person above the water with the grace of the Lord. So Lord, I pray for a great growth in the gospel, in our GCs, in our DNAs. I pray, Father, that we are like iron sharpening iron, that we shape and mold one another, sharpen one another to be used by you in the works that you have prepared for us. We love you, Lord. Praise in the name of Christ. Amen. This has been a sermon from Emmanuel Church. To learn more about Emmanuel or to give, go to Emmanuel with an I, Birmingham.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Emmanuel Birmingham.